Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we have conversations with ordinary people to learn how our extraordinary God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited you've joined us. Another week and another weekly interview on Sound of Truth. I am thrilled to have back on the podcast my longtime and good friend, Matt Wynn. In our previous episode of Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, Matt shared his personal testimony and how so many different people had an influence in him coming to faith in Christ. And so if you want to go back to our last episode, you can hear that if you want before you listen to this one, if you haven't heard that. But in this episode, I've invited Matt back on to talk about the book he has written and was published earlier this year, released to the public. And it's about my former neighbor and friend of our family and beloved legendary basketball coach, Rich Heron. Coach Heron passed away Christmas of 2020. Matt, your book was released February of 2022. Correct. Or February of 2021. That was when your book was released. Yes. I'm sorry. February of 2022. I'm wrong. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. February of 22 is when it was released. Yeah. All right. So, Matt, I'd love to talk to you about this book. And then as we talk about the book and about our subject, Coach Heron, let's then you know maybe find a few applicational points in terms of the influence a coach has on people and how, mm-hmm. as a Christian, he can share his values with the way he coaches and how he coaches with integrity, et cetera, which is certainly true of Coach Heron and his, as we remember him. Sure. So what motivated you? What what was the genesis for you to think about even writing a book about Coach Well, I, you know, I loved him. Um, first of all, I, I loved playing for him. And uh, I, you know, when you, when you get older, Brett, you just look back, you, you look back at your life and like me and you have been talking about, there's, there's people in your life that you know, have, have been a, uh, a huge influence on your life. The coach was that for me. And uh, I, I spent, you know, there, there's a saying about coaches, you know, a, a, a coach spends as much time with kids as maybe anybody that that a child might encounter if, if they're in athletics. And, and that was certainly the case for me. Uh, coach, coach Heron was a high school coach here at Benton. Uh, and, and I wanted to play for him, and I went to his camps when I was a kid. I felt like I knew him very well, and uh, I knew his family. And then, of course, he he left that when I was a sophomore in high school. After your after there. your start after your sophomore season, before your junior after season, after my sophomore season, right? And and his brother Ron Heron came in and coached us, and he's just a wonderful man too. Reminded me so much of Coach. They were very similar. They loved the game of basketball, but they were both Christian men that were, that were just good, good guys. I mean, and they were PKs, they by the way, I, I would add. They were PKs. They were preacher, preacher's kids. That's right. Um, their father was a Methodist minister, and they were just very special. I, you know, Brett, I, I had the opportunity to walk on at SIU, which, to be honest with you, Brett, I wasn't recruited very heavily, and, you know, I was the, the three-point shot came in at the right time for me. You know, it came in in 1988 in high school, but it was it came in a year before that at the college level. And that's that's maybe the one thing where I could possibly contribute. <laughs> you know, I wasn't a great athlete, and um, Coach Heron uh, already had <laughs> – he already had four 
he already had three players from Denton on the team, and he was trying to rebuild this Division One program. And I would have been the fourth player from Denton, the, the school that he came from. And so in my mind, Brett, it just didn't add up. It's like, wow, you know, I can't believe he's, he is going to let me walk on because there are already three Benton guys on the team and we're trying to turn this thing around. And, and when I look back on it, I think he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he didn't care about that. And he gave me an opportunity. And I think that's what, athletically, that's what he did. I think if I would have been anywhere else, Brad, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. Um, I, I grew up and he knew me and he knew that I was going to come to practice and work hard. And I think he knew that. Yeah. And he just he just rolled the dice and said, hey, you know what? If, if you can do this thing, okay. If you can't, that's okay too. We're just going to, we're going to see how this works out. I don't think I would have gotten that opportunity anywhere else. And, uh, you know, um, I spent five years with him at the college level and I saw him when things were good. I saw him when things were bad and he's the same person. And he, uh, there are just so many things, Brett, that, you know, I picked up from my time with coach. Let me interrupt you sure. for a second, just so we can emphasize a couple of things you said. Um, sure. First of all, let me, Start off by saying, I, we, you and I met as we shared in a previous episode in Pee Wee League baseball. Sure. Um, so I and I've been over your went over to your house growing up dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of times, to play wiffle right. ball and pick up basketball and and all that. And when Matt, when you say that you weren't much of you weren't very athletic, that that's not exactly true. You you were I think we were, I remember describing you at one point as deceptively quick. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which being right. translated in means you're not real fast, but you've got quick reflexes. So <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, Brett, I, I do the, the, the things that I, you know, you can dunk a basketball. Not anymore. I could. Yeah. Well, but you could. And, you know, you're, I'm six one, and you're maybe 5'11", yeah. you know, and you, you could jump. And those were, you know, I think, I think God gives us things. That's right. And, you know, whatever you can do with it, you can do with it. And, you know, the thing that I felt like athletically that I that I could do was was eye-hand coordination. Yeah, you, you know, could shoot hard. the – Matt, you could shoot the ball, no doubt about it, all, yeah, all day and, long. And those are things that, that I think are gifts, and then you've got to refine those things right. and work on them. And, uh, well, let me, let me interrupt you, know, you again here to, to yeah. take you to that next point I was going to make was – you you emphasized how coach saw something in you that you didn't see yourself. Sure. And I want to kind of jump out of athletics and just draw the corollary over to the church. Sure. Sure. That is so much like in the kingdom of God as no believers, everyone right. has great potential. And I think mm -hmm. that's an important lesson for us to think about. Even in the church is when someone says, well, you know, I don't know if they have much to offer the church. That's crazy. That, that is a very unbiblical statement. All of us have gifts. All of us have personality traits and things that the Lord can use in a, in a great way. And yep. we just need to have people that believe. Let's, let's seek the Lord and find out what, how he's wired you and how he's designed you and what gifts he's given you that can be used to uh, further the kingdom of God. So No, that's, that's so true, Brad. And, 
you know, as a school teacher, you know, me being a school teacher, you know, I'm getting, I'm three years away from retirement. So as far as going in the classroom every day, yes, I want to know my subject matter and, and I want to, you know, I want to do a good job in the classroom. But ultimately it comes down to, I really do want at the end of every class period or when my kids are done at a semester, I want them to say, you know, hey, coach tried to do the right thing with this in class. And, and I want to be able to go into class going, man, I hope, I hope my students can see Jesus in the way I treat them in class. And having patience and having self-control. If you have 28 kids in front of you and you're teaching, you've got freshman kids. You know, I have to remind myself and God has to remind me every day that that's a big responsibility to go in there. And that the most important thing is when, you know, you're done, that you've shown that to those kids. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, um, that's really good. And you have to and you try to have to be consistent. You have to be consistent with that. I And I, I really think, you know, when it comes down to it, that's the way Coach Heron coached us. Mm-hmm. He was very consistent with his character, um, and his Christian character in, in front of his players as far as pushing us, demanding a lot from us, yet at the same time, loving us well. And, and I, I think that's the job of a teacher. And that's the job of a coach. That's why I wrote the book is because when I look back on it, that's what he did in my life. He, he pushed me to be a better person. Yet at the same time, he showed love to me, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you know, uh, wow. And he had a lot of people. You know, coach was shared by so many people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the very first things that that uh, you know, at the Rod Shirts and myself, we we did the eulogy at coach's funeral, and both of us had the same line. We didn't get together and write it. He, he had his part because everybody has a different story. You know, Brett. You had your co-chairing stories. Mm-hmm. You had your co-chairing moments. Uh, just like just like everyone, because he knew so many people, he had a broad reach. So Rod wrote his part of the eulogy separate, and I wrote mine. And one thing we both had in common is we wanted to thank Sue and the family for sharing coach mm-hmm. with all of us, because he led a very public life. I mean, he, he was... Uh, but at the same time, what's really neat about it and something I, you know, I knew, but it just was reinforced when I did the book was he was a great, he was a very good father. He was a good husband. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he was more than a basketball coach. And I, I think he lived his life in a, in a Christian way. And, you know, Brett, one thing I mentioned in the book that I think is just as an athlete, as someone that's at a division one level where, you know, you have to win to keep your job and there's pressure. I never saw him resort to saying a swear word to get our attention. Mm, mm-hmm. And man, I mean, now at the time when I was going through Brett, I didn't really realize the importance of that. But then when you when you have your family and you have your kids and you look back and you go, Wow, we were coached by a guy that was ultra competitive, but didn't swear. <laughs> how I mean, rare, how rare is that, right? Yeah, how rare is that today in athletics? In, in you know, big time athletics, how how rare is that? I mean, that's just. And I look back and I go, wow, you know, 
And there's just nothing but respect for that. And that's something that across the board, that I'm just one player, but as I interviewed other players and other people that were close to coach, that was brought up several times. And you talk about planting a seed. I mean, mm-hmm. that is a, that's, that's something that everybody kind of agreed on that, you know, hey, he was pretty solid as far as his character and doing the right things and being honest. You know, Brett, I... And that's, by the way, thing. when you're competing on yeah. Division One college level, he went from high school coach for many years, highly successful, then mm-hmm. Southern Illinois University hires him. No, no college coaching experience. He steps into Division One level, ends up leading the school to be able to play in the March Madness tournament three times uh, mm-hmm. in a row. So he he turns the program around successfully. It was really struggling uh, when he took right. over, and yet he didn't have to resort to cheating as so many schools do. Right? No, he he was never going to do that. I, in fact, I I really do think Brett. Um, you know, when he when he was hired at Southern, we, we were on probation for cheating. And, um, by the know, previous administ- co- coaching administration there. Right, by the previous uh, administration and coaching there. And he stepped into a situation, I think, in the job interview where his integrity and his honesty may have won him the job. I, I believe that they were looking for somebody that was just going to be a straight shooter, mm-hmm. somebody that had a little success in their background. I mean, it's, it's very rare when you find even a very, very decorated high school coach to move to a division one level. Um, you don't hardly see that, mm-hmm. especially today. And I think it was maybe more apt to happen at that time. I mean, coach was the chief. He was the chief of high school basketball coaches in Southern Illinois. Right. And if somebody was going to get that job, from the high school level, it was going to be him. But I think he made that decision easier on the university because they knew that he was going to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, they took a chance on him, and it worked out. And, you know, Brett, one thing that I wanted to, to say, too, is I, you know, doing the book, something that I learned that, that I thought was really interesting was back in the early 70s, late 60s. You, you had your conference. You had the Tough South 7 Conference where you played each team twice. A very competitive conference at that time. Unbelievable the players that came through there. And we had great success in that conference, but you also had non-conference games. And one of the non-conference games that Benton always scheduled in the late 60s, early 70s was Meridian High School, which mm-hmm. was it was a school of color, predominantly a black school that is near the southern tip of Illinois. And mm-hmm. Brett, they were they were one of the better teams in the state at at that time, and they were coached by Jim Biasi. Who Jim Biasi is uh, he's kind of like the Rich Aaron, and he was he was there for years and won many games. And when I looked at that, I remember interviewing Coach Aaron about that game on that schedule. And he's, you know, I can remember him saying, well, you know, we wanted to play the best teams. And the reason I make that point is during that time, there were a lot of competitive high school teams in Illinois that would not play Meridian because they were a school of color. Right. But Ben did not shy away from that. And Coach Aaron always wanted to play the best. He wanted to play the best. So as a player, for myself, I never remember 
even in, in college. I didn't play in this game, so I can't really – well, I'm not trying to boast much about it. I was at the very end of the bench. But we played Bellanova my sophomore year mm-hmm. and, or my freshman year, and we won. And we beat them in a, in, a, in a tournament in Puerto Rico. And they were three years away from winning a national championship. And Raleigh Massimino was their coach. Mm-hmm. I remember and that. And we, we beat them. And I remember going into that game, and our team felt like we could win. We, we always, I never felt like we were going to lose with him. And mm-hmm. I think, see, I think that, you know, and you can cross that over too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of areas of you life. You cross that over big time, right? Because, I mean, Jesus is going to win. Absolutely. And, and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to fail. We're not going to lose if he's on our side. And I always felt. To felt clarify like, that for some, maybe we have someone out there that's going, oh, there they go. If they think that Jesus is on their team, they're going to they're going to win every game. That's not what you're saying at all. No. What you're saying is in the things that matter in life. And, and. Wins and losses yeah. are fun, and sometimes it matters for a coach for him to keep his job. But ultimately, we're not talking about who wins a basketball game. We're talking about winning in the big things in life, the things winning, that matter most. Yeah, w- winning in the grand scheme of things. Yes. And it is, yeah, that's that's what I'm relating that to. And I, I you know, I feel like, um, you know, I feel like with coach, you know, back to the athletic part of it, I, I feel like he conveyed that to us because mm-hmm. he was always hopeful. Um, you know, he, he expected things to, to go right for us, and uh, he was positive. I, I never felt like he was defeated. Mm-hmm. Even even when he took the job, Brent, and there were the two or three years where we weren't winning, and he was he had to get rid of his coaching staff in his second year, which killed him. He didn't want to do that. But I mean, and, and we, we all know that, you know, when you get rid of your coaching staff, the next step is you're gone. And so he, there were, well, there was pressure in his first two or three years. And then we kind of, the door flew open and we started to win some games. The recruiting got, we, and I, I, was, I say this too, because coach was a high character coach, we create, we recruited high character people. And, and so the guys I played with, Brett, were, we were good. They were good people. Mm-hmm. They were good. They were good teammates and they were good people and people you could trust. And, you know, uh, I think that made the whole environment kind of like family. And it was fun. I mean, it was, it was, it was fun to play there those yeah. years I was there. Good place for me to ask you this question and, and cut in. You say it was fun. I don't think this, because I haven't read your whole book yet, but I'm pretty sure this story hasn't made it into the book. And obviously, it doesn't seem like the story that would make it to the book. But it is a great story involving you and Eric Griffin. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm stepping back into that theme of, of your athleticism. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is a little bonus uh, material that you get on Sound of Truth Weekly Interview that you won't get in the book, right? <laughs> This is I, uh, this is not in the book. I don't think this is in the book. But yeah, we uh, so Eric Griffin was one of my teammates. He was a guy that kind of like me. We didn't we didn't play all the time, so we were on the bench quite a bit. And we were at Illinois State, and uh, <clears throat> he was sitting by me. And and there was a, a guy named Sam Scarich. Who Sam Scarich? Not to down him. He was he's a really good player. Um, who had a, had an injury, had, had kind of a knee injury, had a heavy 
leg brace on and and Eric, we were really good friends, so we could say anything to each other. And, and he turned to me during the game. We were playing Illinois State. He said, hey, did you notice that Coach Aaron puts you in when, when – uh, and, and you're always guarding someone unathletic, is how he put it. <laughs> and so I, I started laughing. We both started laughing. You know, we were just having fun there on the bench. And I mean, Brett, about that time, Sam Scarich, you hear the, the horn? You know, and the horn goes off, and Sam Scarich checks into the game. And he's With this huge knee bracing. Huge knee brace around. And, I mean, about that time, Coach Heron called my name. And, I mean, we just thought, both started I, dying. I thought, you'd, I thought you'd said that when Eric saw this kid check in, he turned to you and said, get ready to go in, Matt. He, he did. He did. <laughs> he said, when, when Sam Scarich came into the game, he, he said, hey, get ready. Get ready. <laughs> And I mean, sure enough, he called it. And it was just, that was the way it was. It was fun. And the story to me kind of speaks to the fact that I always loved how uh, something that coach could do is he always played you to your strengths. I, yeah. I never felt like he put me in a game where I was just like overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You kind of knew how he was going to use you. And uh, you knew your role. You knew your role. He wasn't going to have me bring the ball up against, you know, a ball hawk defender. He, he didn't put me in that situation, you know, and, and he knew, and he was like that with all of our guys. Yeah. And so he was just, he was just a, a fun, good Christian man to play for. The book has come out and it is available through Amazon. What's the official mm-hmm. title? Rich Heron. A coach Rick ahead Aaron, of his time, is that right? A head coach ahead of his time, yes. And it's available on Amazon by Matt mm-hmm. Wynn. And, Any- and Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble too, Brad, is really you know to order the book is probably the best avenue. Okay. It it seems like right now. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And some readers might be intimidated by the size. It's it's pretty large. You go and. You, you really do a great job of just really being thorough with telling the stories and you interview so many people. Do you recall how many people you interviewed, former players? And- there's, there's over 100 player interviews, Brett, and to be honest with you, you know, when I, I, I love to read baseball books. And a lot of times the format of old baseball books is where they would just go interview players mm-hmm. and I thought, wow, that would be kind of a neat format because there's so many people that coach has has really uh, influenced, and I would love to interview as many players as I could. And one thing that I wanted to do is is I didn't want to just you know interview the star players. I, I wanted to interview everyone if I could, and I know there were some that that I didn't get to, but I tried to interview the seniors of each of each year and everyone like we were talking before everybody has a coach Heron story and, and how he influenced them in a certain way and that's one thing i wanted to bring out in the book is the influence he had on so many people and so yeah. that's 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 why i kind of decided to go with that format and i've i've enjoyed so much getting to talk to all of the the players that maybe I saw on the wall when I was a kid, but I didn't know who they were. And I got a chance to talk with them and we got a chance to talk about coach Heron and the interview process was a really neat process. for me. Excellent. Now you played for 
Coach Heron for six years because you were brought up on the varsity to play your sophomore year of high school. So you played right. one year for him right. in high school. Then you did a redshirt year as a walk-on at Southern Illinois University on the team through all the practices, all that, and then four years of playing there. So that's a total of six years. You knew Coach very well, not to mention you grew right. up in Benton. You went to his camps like I did uh, in the summertime. Of course, I was his neighbor for several years. Did anything surprise you? Anything you learned that surprised you? I'm assuming there wasn't a lot of huge revelations or you know anything like that, but you you did mm-hmm. all these interviews, hours and hours mm-hmm. of interviews. Anything kind of jump out at you that maybe surprised you a little bit? Or hmm. it's a good question. Um, never been asked that. Um, you know, and you don't you don't have to say yes or you don't have to. You can, no, he it's just affirmed everything I knew about him, and that'd be a fine yeah, answer as well. I mean, so I I think in a lot of ways it it one thing that I noticed about Coach uh, I, I will say this. And, and I kind of knew it a little bit, but it came out more when I, when I interviewed coach, you know, coach, coach made a, as, as a head coach, he makes so many decisions and they're important decisions, you know, who, who to keep on the team and who to play. And even though the book is very, very coach made a lot of great decisions, but he's a human being. And, you know, there, there were times where those decisions sometimes were tough maybe maybe someone was offended maybe you know when you coach for that many years not everything is just rosy and sure um one thing that i noticed about coach is that you know when i interviewed him he was in his 80s and he was in a position where he was looking back on his career and he was thinking about his career a lot and he he really struggled with if there was a situation where he felt like he maybe he could have been unfair about something. He really struggled with that, and that was just I noticed it in our interviews. And uh, when I interviewed uh, Colin, that's one of the very first things he brought up about Coach is that now that he's gotten older, you know, he looks back sometimes and he he regrets maybe a couple of things that not just game wise, but maybe a decision that he made that may have hurt someone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's very human. And I I think it's neat that, you know, even though he largely, I mean, he's, he's remembered as very, very successful, very influential to so many people. We are human beings and we, we sometimes do make mistakes and, you're not perfect. And no, but it, it goes think, back to his character and his upbringing and the and, yeah. and the, the moral fire he had that it, it, some people would just say, yeah, well, so what? You know, I had to do what I had right. to do. Instead, he cared. I, I agree. I yeah. agree. And I, I guess that's the point I'm trying to get across is that, yeah. you know, he, he, he does, you know, in his, he, he had a, he had a heart for other people and no doubt about it. You know, he knew, he knew that when he was a young coach, you know, that, it was kind of his way or the highway, I'm sure. And, you know, it, as you grow and you get older and wiser, um, you know, I think all of us can say that in our jobs, that, you know, as, as we grow and we get older, sometimes our perspective changes on things. And uh, he, he does, he, he really cared about those things. And those things he, were things that he didn't forget that he, uh, despite all the wins and the successes and, you know, this, that, and the other, in the end, you know, there, there was a part of me that really worried 
that maybe he didn't make someone happy. And I, I, I do. I, I think you're right, Brad. I think that means that's a really good piece of evidence that, that he really did care for people, care mm-hmm. for his players. Yeah, that's right. Well, in, in honor of Coach and our love of him and appreciation, I, I want to close out this interview, Matt. Thank you again for coming on. But then also I want to close out by uh, using a line he might use, especially the, the two words I've got in mind. When I say to you, Matt, it's been great having you on Sound of Truth, big guy. <laughs> I appreciate it, big guy. I appreciate <laughs> right. it. Okay. Thank, thank you, Brett, for uh, the time, and and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to share my testimony and talk about Coach Heron, two, two things that I love to talk about. Yeah, so that's thank awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth Podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville. It is copyrighted by Brett A. Marani, 2022.